0: Welcome to Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. Our show is all about the exciting world of real estate and, in particular, how it relates to the lucrative New York market. But if you're not planning a real estate transaction in New York, we still have plenty of information that you can use no matter where you are. Now, here's your host, Vince Rocco. Good morning, everyone. We are coming to you live, as usual, from Smash Studios here in
1: Hudson Yards in New York as Good Morning New York gets underway on this Tuesday morning. At this hour, so many changes in New York City real estate uh, in 2019. The mansion tax, the proliferation of listing platforms, a softening of the luxury market, a proposed cap on rental commissions, and sweeping new rent regulations, just to name a few. Additionally, several major um, real estate players are looking to get out of New York. For example, Gary Bornett, Michael Stern, Steve Whitkoff are among the developers who have been looking beyond the city in the wake of the new rent laws tax increases, mansion taxes, and an overall political shift both locally and in our federal government. Where will all this end? We will attempt a response this hour. Also at this hour, with the recent uh, figures showing the median apartment sale price in Manhattan at a $1,075,000 $1, and in Brooklyn $785,000, owning a home in the city or upgrading to a larger one is out of reach for many New Yorkers. But a weekend house in the Hudson Valley, an hour or two north of the city, can be surprisingly affordable in comparison. We have an agent expert here with us this morning, and we're going to discuss that. But first, I'd like to welcome my listeners in the United States and around the world. I am Vince Rocco, and this is Good Morning New York Real Estate. In the news this morning, rock star Sting has just purchased a penthouse in one of Billionaire Rose Ultra Luxury Residential Towers at 220 Central Park South. That, according to Curb, Sting and his wife purchased the home for $65.75 million, closing the sale in July last month. 220 Central Park South is designed by Robert A.M. Stern Architects. It's a 79-story building known with an intimate uh, 18-story villa that faces Central Park. Sting uh, is very uh, committed to Stern's projects because he just recently sold his apartment for $50 million at 15 Central Park West. I remember when he bought that. Sting will be occupying the penthouse on the 16th floor of the villa, which has approximately 5,800 square feet. The penthouse consists of five rooms, five and a half bathrooms, and offers exposures to the north and south. The building offers concierge services, entertaining spaces, athletic uh, club spa, and more. And recently we announced on the show that jean George was opening a private dining room experience for just the owners of the building at 220, but you know what? Five rooms for 65 million dollars? Mm, I don't think so. Anyway, that's all I sleep in. 12
2: million
1: dollar room. I at least
2: expect six rooms. Yeah. Six mm-hmm. rooms for 65. <laughs> just I, makes more
1: I, sense. I don't know what I'd expect on, for that, Robert, but Sarah. I'd want to have six a water Sean view. Sean gets me. Yeah,
2: it's marketing.
1: <laughs> it's basically. It's marketing. all marketing. Anyway, last week construction of the residential floors at 200 Amsterdam Avenue topped out and they're now getting a little peek at what the luxury design interiors will look like, there will be only a total of 112 units in the controversial Upper West Side Tower, including eight full-floor residences and two duplex penthouses. Sales are set to launch in September, with prices starting at $2.65 million for a one-bedroom apartment and up to $40 million for each of the two penthouses. If you've ever wanted to live like Meryl Streep, now is your chance. The three-time Oscar winner has put her New York penthouse up for sale for a cool $18,250,000. The stunning home was previously listed for $24.6 million, this according to House Beautiful. Located in Tribeca, the impressive home takes up an entire floor of river lofts. It's a condo building. Uh, Thanks to -to floor-to-ceiling windows, it includes breathtaking views of multiple New York City landmarks, including the Hudson River, New York Harbor the Statue of Liberty Freedom Tower and the Chrysler and Empire State Buildings, that is listed with Sotheby's. The 3,950 square foot space contains an open floor plan and dining area, study and four bedrooms. And if that's not enough space for you, the penthouse also comes with access to a 10-foot wide landscape terrace that wraps around the home on three sides. Uh, you know, it, these, these numbers are incredible to me. But, uh, you know, $18 million for, I don't know, 3,900 square feet. There you go. Mm-hmm. Let's sign them up. Anyway, we've got two special <laughs> guests with us today, including our panel, uh, Matthew Cohen from Halstead, Sean Atterbury from CORE, Phil Horrigan from Freely and LeaseBreak.com. We have Andrew uh, Loftick, Andrew Loftick from yes, Shavitz good morning. Uh, good morning. Perlowitz, and Loftick LLC. He is a partner in the firm, and if you're interested in purchasing or selling residential properties in New York, Andrew, considered by many to be the one of the city's most accessible proactive real estate attorneys, he's the man to see. Uh, A focused and experienced veteran of many successful real estate transactions, Andrew has become a go-to attorney for many of the New York City, uh, many of New York City's rather leading real estate professionals. In addition to his real estate expertise, Andrew specializes in banking transactions, business transactions, and estate planning. Very important. Andrew also gives back to the professional community on a weekly basis through educational lectures with many of the city's top residential real estate companies. Andrew's excellence in the real estate arena has held... uh, to a number of has led him to a number of honors, including Brooklyn Star Under 40 designation in 2017, and multiple Super Lawyer awards. Super Lawyer awards—you got to explain that one. In addition, his expertise has resulted in appearances on uh, TV, The American Dream, Good Morning New York with us, Lot Block and Lot, and a feature in Brick Underground. He holds a bachelor's degree in business from the University of uh, Buffalo and a jurist Doctorate from. Turo Lorsanti. He lives in Upper Saddle River in New Jersey. Nick Nicholas Cuomo from Keller Williams in the Hudson Valley is also with us today. He is your quintessential problem solver, focused first and foremost on your needs and objectives to make the purchase of your home or the sale of your property an enjoyable, smooth, and efficient experience. Clients feel comfortable around Nick and feel they can talk with him as if they've known him forever. We have another one back there on the corner named Matthew Cohen. I think clients feel the same way about him. Aww. This welcoming Shucks. characteristic <laughs> I'm stems I'm from blushing. a multitude of uh, different but, And he's sitting in the corner this morning, guys. You've got to see this. He on a bro show, he's all the way in the you're corner. You're
2: putting baby in the corner.
1: you ah, yeah, in the <laughs> corner. Yeah, your choice today. This welcoming characteristic that Nick has stems from a multitude of different backgrounds and natural interpersonal skills that shine through all of his communications. He is well versed in the Orange and Rockland County markets accomplishing deals also in sullivan county and bergen counties in new jersey and a desire to expand further maybe new york city someday originally born and raised in airmont new york nick has a strong knowledge base of the lower hudson valley and inner cities uh he values high morals and hard work fervently delivers extraordinary services to his clients who greatly appreciate his deliberate attention to details isn't that something and you also understand the big picture so Big show today. Uh, Andrew, let me start with you, though, because, you know, at the top of the show, I said there have been so many changes in 2019 in our industry in New York City. What do you see um, are the biggest obstacles that may be affecting the legal side of things? And We all have issues with the brokerage side of stuff, but is it affecting clients from a legal perspective, in your your opinion?
3: I still think, you know, the big uh, challenge today's market is, you know, buyers and sellers come together kind of in your world, you know, negotiating prices, sellers being reasonable, buyers understanding that, you know, they can't, you know, take over the world and get the, you know, the best deal. Um, They have to be reasonable as well. There are some nuances. Uh, One, for example, a change in the uh, rent laws. There's a big misconception that only affects rent-stabilized tenants, but it does affect free market tenants as well. So not to get too technical because I know our our, our you know, audience is national, but in New York, we have tons of co-ops and sometimes these co-ops will request you know, an, a year worth of maintenance and escrow if the buyer may not be financially savvy enough. Um, if that happens, the buyer can actually cancel the deal. Most of the time, they go through with it because they love and want the apartment. Uh, now, there's a gray area whether the buildings can actually request this year's worth of maintenance up front. Um, the new law... For many says they can only collect up to a month up front. So buyers and sellers are having to navigate these waters and figure out other solutions. Does the seller put up money instead of the buyer? Can we do a guarantee instead of escrow? Um, So that's a nuance where even landlord tenant attorneys are still grappling with it. It's kind of like you know, synonymous with the tax changes. You know, day after the tax changes are implemented, you speak to the IRS, they're not going to give you a black and white answer because it has to kind of play itself through same thing here we have to you know it has to be interpreted you know something has to happen somebody has to sue somebody so it's still kind of an open ended situation and you know literally we have buildings or council for buildings analyzing it in a different fashion so that's that's one of the challenges we're facing
1: you know it's interesting you bring up the co-op scenario and in all I can think of is, and I'm sure all of us here on the broker side have had issues where you know in order for a client of ours a buyer of ours uh, to be approved they'd have to put up you know, a year in maintenance, in escrow. You know, in some cases, two years I've seen. And, you know, if that's not going to be allowed anymore, you know, that's going to break a deal. That's going to create a board turndown. So I think, you know, the boards these days, and we'll talk about it later in the show, the boards these days in co-ops in general are being very difficult. In a very difficult marketplace, they're becoming more difficult because they're trying to protect the value of the shares in their building and they don't want to sell things for less than they think they should. Isn't that everybody's problem? But this may create, I believe,
3: more... More turndowns than not. Yeah, I had a phone call this weekend, and it's an estate sale, and the client, you know, was out of state, you know the the, the son of the, the seated, and he couldn't get over the concept that the broker was explaining we need to get a certain price point for this apartment unless it's not going to sell. You know, so I pleasantly explain, you know that's the reality, you know of our city, especially with co-ops, of course. um, we're trying to navigate, you know, are there ways around that? Can we give concessions? You know, can you give credits? Um, and how are we going to get that number? If we don't get that number, you know, what are we going to do? It's a, you know, it's a pickle, right? Especially with this market, when we talk about the CULPS wanting their number, and the reality is sometimes they're not getting that high number. So is the, market gonna, is the property going to sit on the market, you know, until the market goes up one day? Or, you know, so it's it's certainly there's a huge frustration there for clients for all of us right and, and well, the abundance of inventory is affecting everybody right. you know it's affecting the the
1: sellers who are on the market it's affecting the buyers on the market <clears> because it's creating you know more opportunity if you want to look at it that way for them to find more opportunities to purchase more more apartments on the market it's creating angst for the seller for the the brokers because we're running around looking at more properties I think than we've ever had in our in our careers. And yet buyers are still kind of reluctant to pull the trigger. But let me ask you about the SALT deductions, you know, the state and local taxes. Do you get your clients ask you a lot about that? Uh, has it really affected, you know, their decisions to either buy or not or hold at the moment?
3: Yeah, I think that's, you know, it's funny. Anytime we have big changes in our city, um, I read an article this morning about um, from the Real Deal and the... You know, fortunately, the good part about New York is we're very resilient, right? Manhattan, especially at Brooklyn. Um, so it's not a huge topic of conversation as far as I'm, you know, with, on the attorney end, you know, listen, clients may be speaking to their accountants before they come to us. Maybe they've made yeah. decisions already. Um It definitely affects, mm-hmm. you know, the, um, the suburbs, suburbs more than the city, right? Because of the high property taxes. And I think it, helps our city right because people are coming into the city that hey you have empty nesters that have the four or five bedroom apartment or five four or five bedroom house in you know scarsdale in westchester and the taxes are through the roof
1: westchester right? is being killed with taxes so yeah. that's
3: why so may you know there might be more of an influx of those people coming into the city where maybe maybe they would have held off a few years now they're coming in a little quicker um but the conversation you know is more of a conversation about you know Closing fees, you know, mm-hmm. in general, right? Mm-hmm. Because closing fees, you know, even if you're financing, you typically can't finance those. Those Cannot. are hard costs that are coming out of pocket. You know, the carrying charges, real estate taxes, common charges, maintenance, that they're going to be paying on a monthly basis going forward. That's a bigger concern we're having. Um, but the challenge is, you know, even for you as top level brokers, getting the deals to us, you know, it used to be that, hey, you know, the deal is going to get into contract, you know, in a week, in two weeks at most. Now, Good luck. You know, it's two, three weeks, and they're arguing about chandeliers, toilets. You know, they're, tra- they're renegotiating business terms. It, it, it's, it's, you know, reached a whole different level.
1: All right. We have to leave it there. Stand by. We are live from Smash Studios in Hudson Yards here in New York. This is Good Morning New York on the Voice America Variety Channel. We are coming right back. Don't go away.
0: Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com
4: At Halstead, we know that what moves you is important. We're all about the power of transformation. We're revolutionizing the way people live and work. We are agents of change. We are the deal makers. We are the fearless negotiators. We are the future builders. So you can move to what moves you.
5: I'm Jeff Goodman at Halstead, and I love Vince's show. I host a program of my own, but not about real estate. Rediscovering New York is about our city's great neighborhoods, their history, texture, and their current vibe through interviews with historians, business owners, and interesting neighborhood personalities. We're broadcast live every Tuesday at 7 p.m. on talkradio.nyc and available on iTunes, Spotify, and other podcasts. Rediscovering New York with Jeff Goodman. I bring the city's great neighborhoods to
6: life. It's not easy to make it big in New York City. It's even harder to sustain that success for decades. However, two teams have defied those odds due to their formulas for success. Both have all-star rosters performing at the top of their game. Each have an undying commitment to greatness, a willingness to evolve, superior training programs, and ownership that invests heavily in their products. It only seemed natural for the world's most valuable sports brand to partner with Halstead, a market leader in the New York metro area, and now proudly serving as the official luxury real estate firm of the New York Yankees.
0: Are listening to good morning new york real estate with vince rocco if you want to call into the program we're toll free in north america at 1-866-472-5788 that's 1-866-472-5788 now back to the show All right, everybody
1: we are back and andrew i wanted to ask you another question about uh, the marketplace while i still have you here so your prediction for the rest of 19 and as we go into and i'm asking this question of everybody you know, who's been appearing lately and going into the presidential election year of 2020. So ending this year, going into next year, what do you think from how you see things from your legal perspective?
3: I'm an optimist, you know, so the summer's been, uh, you know, I'm an optimist and the summer's been strong for us. It's been consistent for us. Um, I am definitely worried about the election. I think election just like, you know, the salt deductions we just discussed, you know, tax reform, Hurricane Sandy, I think, things will freeze a little bit, right? Things will, you know, maybe get tight for a, a period of time. Hopefully it's not an extended period of time. Again, you know, the beauty of New York City is the resiliency and, and you know, negative or quote-unquote negative things don't really affect our markets as significantly as other places in the country or the state. So hopefully, you know, it'll be a little, a little blip. Hopefully it won't be long-term. But this year, you know, going you know forward... Um, there's deals being had. You know, our city is transient, right? There's people buying and selling, moving, having you know jobs. So unless there's a major you know impact in our market place, which you know, reading the news every day, you kind of heart stops a little bit every now and then. Um, you think? <laughs> so unless there's something material, all the chatter. Yesterday think, was the best. There's there's plenty. Every day's the best, you know. <laughs> so I'm I'm optimistic. You know, I think it takes you know, a, a savvy professional, right? You have to be right. a savvy real estate professional. You have to be a, a savvy buyer and seller to, you know, compete in this market. Um, and it makes everybody step their game up. But if you're dealing with professionals that know the market in and out, you're dealing with professionals that understand how to negotiate deals and, you know, clients and buyers and sellers that are reasonable, then, you know, things are happening, right? But if you are don't understand the ins and outs, if you're not, you know, sophisticated, if you're not doing your homework, you're not spending the time understanding the inventory and your buying power, there's gonna be a struggle, right? You're kind of lost. You know, back in the day, you know, deals came together very simply. You know, and if you didn't buy this apartment, you go buy another apartment across the street.
1: Well nothing was ever simple, but but I but I get your point. You're right. There was there was always a deal to be made or a deal to be had. Everybody was usually happy on both sides of the fence. Today I think there's a whole bunch of stuff that's in the way of a of a consumer. Andrew's Andrew's wanting right to though, I
2: mean well, first of all. I've never had such a busy August. And second, I think that, you know, I've never had so many deals with all brokers I know. Like in the past, we always would say that an agent could be at any firm, like an agent could have their own firm because it's all about who you know. Um, Every single deal I'm doing is a top broker who I know and it doesn't matter what the price range is like one just wins into contract yesterday that's half a million and it's a huge broker that I love um, and she's doing it herself like it's not one of her people so I don't know. I think it. I think it brings the good ones to the table. A market like this. Well, it
1: brings brokers to the table who wouldn't necessarily be dealing with a five hundred thousand dollar property, but you know, because there's not much else to do on the luxury side, maybe that's you know what's happening. All right, let's move upstate and talk to Nick Cuomo a little bit. So, with recent figures showing the median apartment sale price in Manhattan being at about a million seventy-five, and in Brooklyn, and Ari, this this surprised me. Seven hundred eighty-five thousand dollars for as the median price in Brooklyn. I thought it should be higher than that. Owning a home in the city or upgrading to a larger one maybe out of reach for a lot of people here in in town so you know a weekend house in the hudson uh, valley uh, which is an hour maybe 2 hours north of the city can become an affordable you know comparison or or option for those preparing to look for a city escape now that the weather is warming up or has warmed up we charted median sale prices over the last few years in several Hudson County uh, Valley counties using information from Trulia the upshot in nearly every county examined sale prices have been relatively flat which is no surprise good news for buyers though of course uh, those searching for bargains may want to find or focus on Sullivan County and Ulster County. So, you know, tax reforms may be to blame for relatively flat housing uh, sales, as Andrew indicated before, uh, not only here in the city, but mostly in the Hudson Valley or in the suburbs, as right. as we say here. What are your thoughts as someone who ran, by the way, also very successful, July and August, uh, many, many closings. I'm shocked that uh, there were that many houses to be sold, but a super successful agent right here. Um, so what are your thoughts on, how the market in your territory has been affected over the past well well let's just say in 2019
7: i think that just to keep it simple the it's not that the sales are the sales are down mm-hmm. but the prices are going up so there's not as many homes selling but it's the prices that are going up. So now, why 20-
1: now, why is that? Because here in Manhattan and in Brooklyn, the prices have come down because of the overabundance of inventory.
7: Right, and that that so there's just a lot of different things that are happening. But the main thing is that so there's there's less inventory, but the prices keep going up. Really, so more in Orange County and Rockland County is a seller's market. But just like how we talked about the tax reform, that that's affecting more Westchester and Rockland, where the taxes are a little bit higher. Orange County is kind of more the sweet spot,
3: mm-hmm. and when
7: it comes to affordability, Orange County is still considered commutable. Yes, to get into the city. <clears throat>
1: so, so ta- uh, prices are going up. Well, how? What about the real estate taxes? Have they stayed pretty flat, or are they increasing as well?
7: They're they're increasing year over year, but it's more dramatic in different areas. Like it, it it's just from Westchester. A buy level could be twenty thousand dollars, and then in Rockland County it's fifteen thousand dollars, and then you go to Orange County and it's eight to nine thousand dollars. It's a huge. difference. It's a huge yeah. difference,
1: and it right. becomes very affordable for even a weekend place or or a, a commutable, you know, full time residence where people are start, starting to say, you know, and this 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 is also very cyclical, I think, in 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 Manhattan people get tired of New York for a lot of reasons it's too expensive the taxes are high the prices are high i want to raise my family and i want to move to the suburbs so when you when you do stuff like when you see stuff like that prices um, they may be increasing as you indicate, but if the taxes are lower and your overall monthly maintenance is really nothing comparative to what you know people pay here in the city, it might be an affordable option for people. Um, so, what about the salt? We talked about with with Andrew a little bit. So, has the the state and local taxes affected you know your marketplace at all? The increase in the in that, or the 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 the, um, the lack of deductions that are now available, or is that
7: right? That's mainly Westchester. Mainly Westchester. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, but what even I, then, the prices continue to go up.
1: Like you know, it it's interesting food. because I'm searching for a home, and I keep saying this every week because my sister still has not bought one. Wow. Um, I'm representing her as a buyer. <laughs> Tell us how you really feel about it. It's like my <laughs> God, yeah, you know, buyers that they come in all flavors, including your own family. I hope you're listening, Tree. Anyway, so you know, the the end of the day, but I don't see prices going up in Westchester. I see prices going down. And prices really, in some places, staying flat. And we're looking, you know, $500,000, 600000 uh, low $700,000 range. Huge properties for this, these, these kinds of numbers. But the problem it there is, on the
7: price range. yes, but yeah. the
1: problem is the taxes are out of control.
7: Right.
1: Completely out of control. Mm-hmm. 16000 20000 25000 mm-hmm. My well, brother, 35000 in Briarcliff. It's right. like, what? Exactly. So 500000 no, yeah, his house is no, no, no. It, his house is more yeah, than that. But, um,
7: but but aside from that, there's also there's a lot that's happening now. There's there's a winery movement. There's uh, breweries. I like uh, wineries. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of people that are. Coming I don't mind from, a brewery. Uh, from okay, Brooklyn to uh, a like Newburgh and. Oh, yeah. they're pouring all
3: their money. They're selling Same their. In the Hamptons, uh, people are going upstate. Well, I
7: was going to
1: ask yeah. you. So, so who, who, who are migrating to to the Hudson Valley or to Orange County, or which you say is is a, is a very hot property these days? Who who are the types of people migrating there? Because you know Andrew just said you know, it, it's the people who used to go to the 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 Hamptons. You know, they started going upstate uh, New York years ago. Actually, the southern um, border of Connecticut, the the water towns in Connecticut. But who's coming? From, I guess, the demographic, who, who, what's the demographic coming up to your neck of the woods?
7: It's interesting because if you look at Hudson, for some reason, that attracts a lot of people from Manhattan. Correct. And then if you look at an area like Beacon in Dutchess County, and a lot of people from Brooklyn. And Beacon then seems I, to I, be going I,
1: through a, a, con, uh, a ch- big change.
7: Right. It, it, it's already happening, but now it's starting to spill over into Newburgh. And then uh, speaking about New York City, um, Our Black Global, I think uh, they have a building in Brooklyn. Yeah. They were trying to break ground with a massive development in uh Newburgh right. but uh, something happened with the amount of interest that they had to pay and they ended up abandoning that. But
1: is Newburgh commutable? Yeah, I guess Newburgh would be a little more than an hour on the train, right? So yeah, it's, not so it's bad.
7: directly across from Beacon. So th- right. the plan with that development was gonna be to set up a ferry station so you could get across the Hudson. And get onto the Beacon Line. Right. Take that straight to Grand Central.
1: Listen, I grew up in Putnam County, and I remember thinking those counties north of Putnam, I "I wouldn't even go there shopping if my parents wanted to take a day trip. I thought, this is like way too far north for me. It's Canada. Exactly. (laughs) And I would always migrate south, and i do the same thing living in Manhattan as a Manhattan resident. I never go to blocks north of where my, my apartment is no matter where I've lived in the city I just never go north it's right. just one of those things I always
2: <laughs> walk south which is shocking because Vince lives very far north <laughs> as <laughs> on a downtown, live very far I, I
1: do but it's like you know from 93rd you'll never see me on 96 97 <laughs> and 97 that's <laughs> right that's, that's
8: fighting words.
1: I, those are fighting words but I don't do that so it, it's just one of those things so you know growing up I would be like okay so who wants to go up there you know what is, what is up
2: there right yeah you know, I just don't get it. I mean, I had now a, it's completely different. I mean, I had a friend who uh, Ari will love this because he's a big Brooklynite and he um he owns a place in Sag Harbor and he's thinking about taking advantage of how much it's appreciated and you know going somewhere else with a secondary market and we I went up with him for a little you know day trip and we went to Cold Spring, okay. um, we went to Rhinebeck, pretty, pretty, we went to Hudson, pretty, you know it's very it's unbelievable sticker price how low it is when you compare it to places like Sag Harbor and the Hamptons and it's, you can get so much property um, and it's right near the Metro North Hudson line. Like Absolutely. it's so not easy also, to get there. So nice. um, yeah. Right, and it's not annoying. The nice. Like the long Island railroad.
1: <laughs> so you the thing qu-
2: bros, frat bros, <laughs> drinking beer,
1: sorry. So Come one on. of the, the, the things I've always noticed even out, out East and in the, in the Hamptons is like when you're in the real estate profession, you know, we, we're, we're, we're walking people. We take right. trains, we take, well, I don't take trains, but uh, buses and, via cars and, and whatever <laughs> but i mean you know you're, you're walking around you're foot soldiers in the burbs you're in your car all the time right, right so you're you're, you're driving here you're driving there how is that i mean you get a lot of music listening in your ear you know during the day or
7: <laughs> yeah i mean it's just because i you know, do that on
1: the via car because i can't stand the people sitting around me chatting about this or that it's like put the music on and or a podcast listen to good morning new york right
7: right exactly yeah, and that's how it? I followed the show over the years. So I mean, I just I
2: just wear headphones if I take a shared car so no one will listen to me. I don't even listen to anything. No one will talk to me. No one will talk to me. It's like
8: wearing a red- wedding ring
2: so nobody messes with me. Exactly. Yeah, right. Just you in a bar.
1: Right. All right, listen, we're coming back after the break. We're talking uh, about a lot of things. The Infamous panel is here, and they're just getting started. This is Good Morning New York on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. We will be right back. Don't go away.
0: stimulating talk gets those synapses in the
6: brain inspired really fast
0: all the time the number one internet talk station where your opinion counts VoiceAmerica.com.
4: at halstead we know that what moves you is important we are all about the power of transformation we're revolutionizing the way people live and work we are agents of change we are the deal makers We are the fearless negotiators. We are the future builders. So you can move to what moves you.
5: I'm Jeff Goodman at Halstead, and I love Vince's show. I host a program of my own, but not about real estate. Rediscovering New York is about our city's great neighborhoods, their history, texture, and their current vibe through interviews with historians, business owners, and interesting neighborhood personalities. We're broadcast live every Tuesday at 7 p.m. on talkradio.nyc and available on iTunes, Spotify, and other podcasts. Rediscovering New York with Jeff Goodman. I bring the city's great neighborhoods to life.
0: Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Good Morning New York, Real Estate with Vince Rocco. If you want to call into the program, we're toll-free in North America at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Now, back to the show. Now you All right, everybody. We are back, and we're here with the panel. Ari Harkoff
1: has joined us from Halstead. Matthew Cohen from Halstead. Sean Annaberry from CORE. Phil Horrigan from Freely. And leasebreak.com. We have Andrew and Nick sticking around, and also a surprise visitor this morning, Raymond Lord III from the Hamptons and upstate New York, and maybe from New York City one of these days soon. Welcome, Ray. Good morning. How have you been? I've been very well, actually. Yes, I can tell. I'm happy to be here today, though. I needed a break. It was one. a very big surprise, and I got that text last night. <laughs> well, I'm staying literally 500
2: feet away, like down the street.
1: You know, it's interesting because coming down in the via car this morning, I was just looking around the neighborhood, and I said, it's almost like every week I look around this neighborhood, because we're only here about three three months, maybe. Um, boy, is it changing. Yeah. By the week, it's changing. It's unbelievable how much nicer it's looking, how much better Thank it's getting. Thank goodness. Because when Thank I came down goodness. here 10 years ago, it was Oh, scary. no, 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 no. <laughs> 10 years ago. Five years ago, you wouldn't want to walk around. All right, anyway, you may think that historic co-ops, and we talked about this a little earlier, would have a hard time competing with the luxury, mm. ultra-luxury condominium marketplace. But buyers, and, and, and you know, they did for a while, and they kind of got a little head of condos, and now who knows where we are, but... These older buildings have the advantage over high-end condos when it comes to retaining their status, according to a new report. People still say that living in a co-op is more prestigious than living in a condo for a whole host of reasons. One of the reasons being that a lot of people don't like these new high-rise condominiums, especially the larger size ones, because they become more transient. They become filled with more renters uh, than than um, you know people who live there full-time because a lot of investors buy in these places. So, But what's happening now on the co-op side, even though they're they're sort of trending back to popularity, the boards are becoming very difficult. There have been an increase in board turndowns because uh, because, um, uh, shareholders uh, and co-op board members are thinking that the value of their apartment, regardless of what the market is dictating these days, the value of their apartment is far greater. So if we can't sell it for a certain price, we're going to turn the buyers down. I don't know if that's happened to any of you. It hasn't happened to me yet in this marketplace. But what are your thoughts on on how co-op boards are behaving today in this
2: particular marketplace? I always um, I, I always like to say that I think that uptown co-ops are a little more strict than downtown co-ops, and lately it actually hasn't been the case. And, and you know, it's a little upsetting to a lot of buyers out there who are very into the, you know, Soho co-op scene, you know, lofts co-op scene. Um, it, I think co-op boards think at a certain point that they have more power than they actually do. And they think that they're gods or godlike, And that's not fair to people who are just trying to take advantage of the market and trying to buy for the first time and buy a piece of the island. I mean, I... I had a board interview last week for um, an apartment I'm selling. And last second, we got really nervous about the interview with the other broker and I because the board asked, even though it was a co-purchase between um, the father and the son, the board actually asked for the father's wife to be at the interview. And it was a last minute thing. She is not on one document. Um, It's something that... I have never had happen in my career, and of course, when something last minute comes up before a board interview or with a co op, I think everyone gets a little nervous. Thankfully, knock on wood, we did get approval. But it, it's strange. I think that boards are asking for a little too much these days.
8: There's, I think, for years, boards have been. Um, there are plenty of co ops where board members would not pass their own interview process. Absolutely, and it's a bit of a joke, and because sure. and and what they wind up doing is devaluing their corporation
1: thinking that they're adding value to it and I, b- I believe it brings the value down. Somebody said to me I, I agree, but somebody said to me the other day is you know none of these people really have to sell so they're going to be there. they've been there for 20, 30, 40 years maybe, you know, and so, you know, they look at it as like, look, we still believe that our, the pricing here should be x and we don't really care what the, you know the new market says and so, you know, we we're, we're just going to kind of stick it out hanging at, you know, hanging there and, and and you know, we don't need to sell. So those who are selling in this marketplace should, you know, maybe Understand that we don't want to let these apartments go for a certain price. I understand it. I, under- I don't get it. But I
9: do want, the only time I mm. understand it, if there's like an insider sale, mm-hmm. if it's an insider sale and the seller never, quote unquote, tested it on the marketplace. Well, talk about
1: I, an insider sale. So a co-op board uh, member maybe buying an yeah, apartment. In from other somebody.
9: words, yeah, someone inside the building mm-hmm. is going to sell to a neighbor or, or something like that, or mm-hmm. maybe to even their son or something like this. And it's going to record at a price that's just… I mean, just not even realistic. That's way below the the market. I do understand in that case only, but there should be a rule that if you have the apartment on the market for a certain amount of time, clearly the market has seen it, and then you're going to achieve hopefully close to market price. And so it, it drives me crazy. There's nothing more anti-capitalistic, in my opinion
1: than the board getting involved in a market. Like I say, this, get know. out of my pants, okay, <laughs> because get your hands out of my pockets or whatever. Just go. It's none of your business, but, you know, they parade around and they talk like, you know, it, it, it's great. There was a board. I had one board turned down many, many years ago because one of the board members wanted to buy the apartment at a very low price, so we got full ask for the, pri- for the apartment at that time, which was a very good price at the time. And uh, we got turned down. All cash offer guy had millions of dollars in the bank after closing. No reason why he should have been turned down. I mean, absolutely not. And so, you know, what ensues? Why did this happen? I can't understand. What about this? I, of course, lose a buyer because it's all my fault. Yeah. Um, you know, so now whether the board member ended up buying it for a fire sale price, I don't remember anymore. This is over 10 years ago. At the end of the day, that gets recorded. So, you go and try and sell another unit in that building later on down the road. Now you got a comp that says, "Oops, maybe a hundred thousand dollars off the market price." Then, how do you do that? When the ups
10: are, are lagging the market, I mean. This is, you know, this is one of the issues and this is one of the reasons why co-ops are lagging the market. If you look at this, if you look at the data and you look at the spread between co-ops and condos over the past couple of decades, the spread is growing more and more and more. And it's not just because of the proliferation of new condos. It's because of the fact that co-ops aren't aligning with market expectations. So like when we get a new listing, for example, one of the things that we always check is whether or not we think that today's market price will pass that board. Because if we don't think it's going to happen, we're not going to put in the six months to take on the listing and bring a buyer to the board only to find out that the board doesn't want that to trade at a market price. And we have our sellers speak to board members, speak to the president, you know, do their own diligence to see whether or not our property is going to transact. That's insane. That should not be a, a reality. And so when you look at the money that's flowing into the city and you look at the money that's being made today, a lot of young money and a lot of tech money and a lot of farm money, they don't want to deal with this. They want to own a property that they have control over. And the fact that a couple of people who have no desire to transact anytime in the next couple of decades get to say whether or not you can sell your property is completely insane and it's one of the reasons why look at development no one's building more co-ops no one's co no. new buildings no. it's done it's 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 an old trend
8: it's, it's a system that trend. would never work in any other part of the country. No,
1: and okay. it doesn't really, it doesn't really exist in any other country. part of the country. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it really doesn't. So no. a few other places, but not, not many.
3: And the process is onerous to begin with, right? Mm. Taking in a in a good market, just co-ops, getting financing is not fun, right? It's
1: no it's buildings are not always so easily to finance. Correct. So
3: now you add this extra element. And it makes it difficult.
2: When they when they instilled all the new rent laws, I remember thinking they should make laws about co ops. I was like, why don't we actually make <laughs> yes. laws that are, are usable that and need sense. to happen? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like, like the biggest issue that we're all talking about with co ops is conflict. It's a divided of city. Yeah. There's too much conflict. Like what happens is, you know, with these board members who want to buy apartments or whatnot, um, I had an apartment that I was selling earlier this year where the board president suggested to my seller, a friend of hers, to buy the apartment like that needs to stop happening that can't happen there needs to be laws that are put into place or rules that Rebney can put into place whereas just if a seller is on the board they have to take themselves out I, of this I, situation
1: I 100% agree with you but I think just, think about that though in, in 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 a private <laughs> yeah. corporation no, like it'll co-ops never are happen.
2: It'll never happen. it's
1: not going to happen
8: and they don't yeah. have to adhere to fair housing laws really
1: They're they, they don't anywhere. adhere to That's anything it's yeah. like yeah. why? how do you skirt this system and you know Well, you know, again, you said it. You know, they'll never get approved um, again if they would try. So that's not going to work. All right, moving on. New developments now, forget the co ops. Those built more than two years ago typically make up the largest portion of the ultra luxury marketplace, as we call it. However, research finds that newer units, even some of the most expensive on the market when built, tend to lose their place in the ultra luxury tier over time. So, you build a building, it sells well, it's two years old or three years old, now all of a sudden it's not a new condo development building anymore, and it's out of place. You know, it's not it's not the, the newest and greatest, you know, rage out there, whatever. How is new development selling in twenty nineteen and what are the major obstacles when purchasing in a new building? So, twenty nineteen, very interesting marketplace. Co ops are one thing, new condo development buildings are another. What's the what's the the rub in condos these days?
10: I mean, I think the biggest challenge you have in the new development market right now is the fact that you know when developers conceive of buildings, they're usually two to three years ahead of the market. So they build out, their perform and excel. They think they're going to get best pricing, and then the market shifts and it continues to shift. And now you're at a point where most new developments on the market today were priced in 2016, mm-hmm. and the pricing is anywhere from 10 percent or more off from today's values. So you've got sellers who are expecting a certain ex- have certain expectations or capital partners and their funding and what have you is aligned with 2016 pricing. And you have buyers who are in a soft buyer's market in 2019 anticipating that prices are going to go down further. And so there's a lot of hesitancy and the product is sitting on the market and sitting on the market. And we talk about this all the time. But so one of the big shifts from... 2007 new development boom to 2017 new development boom is the fact that there's more equity in these deals than ever before. So whereas you used to see 10% equity, now you're seeing 30, 40% equity. So to wipe out that equity takes a much longer period of time, which is why you're seeing all these new developments sitting on the market that are basically stagnating and not selling units, but not reducing prices because there's no incentive for them to reduce prices. They have a long way to go before they're in the red. And that's the problem that we're seeing in the new development market. You know, in 2007, 2008, you ripped the bandaid off, you cut the price. Prices and you sold the units. It's not happening right now. You know, they're building it's not West happening. in Chelsea that haven't sold a unit in over a year.
2: Correct. A single
10: I, unit. And and, and having
2: and, and, and having been and you were on one. Uh, of yeah, them. having been on a new project <laughs> in West Chelsea, I can say for, you know, first and foremost, it's um it, they're not only so stagnant, but taxes are really bothering people and mm-hmm. new developments more than ever. People are so fixated with all the tax changes and all the closing cost changes My on the building and the taxes. taxes. Killed. But but I will say to play devil's. Advocate, I do think that, you know, in this year, more than ever of the last, you know, year and a half at least, as we've been going down this, you know, this. Declining scale, shall we say? Um, I found that there's an uptick in new development. I, I find that buyers who are smart and who are doing, you know, moves these days, um, especially mine, they they want to go to new development. They want to see what's out there, even if it's above their budget a little bit, because they know. And and I've really like the first mentor I had in the business. He was very heavy in new development. And he always used to say, which I love, that you know, this is a very emotional business, and sellers and buyers are very emotional people. But developers are in the business of selling. So in a market like this, they're not as emotional because they have to sell. Like they're they're not like, oh, maybe I'll hold on to my hundred apartments in this building for my. They're not going to do that because they want to sell them. So you know, it's about getting to that place yeah. where they will.
1: Well, and, well, but it and it's going to take them a long time to get there. As I'm seeing, and right now, in a lot of different poc- pockets of, of Manhattan, new development is dead. I mean, it's completely and totally dead. Mm-hmm. It's not moving. People aren't visiting. And if the prices aren't right and the prices aren't sharp, that ain't happening. We have to take a break. Coming up after the break, we're going to finish our talk on broker fees and a lot of other predictions on the market. This is Good Morning New York on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Don't go away.
0: The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com
4: At Halstead, we know that what moves you is important. We're all about the power of transformation. We're revolutionizing the way people live and work. We are agents of change. We are the deal makers. We are the fearless negotiators. We are the future builders, so you can move to what moves you.
5: I'm Jeff Goodman at Halstead, and I love Vince's show. I host a program of my own, but not about real estate. Rediscovering New York is about our city's great neighborhoods, their history, texture, and their current vibe through interviews with historians, business owners, and interesting neighborhood personalities. We're broadcast live every Tuesday at 7 p.m. on talkradio.nyc and available on iTunes, Spotify, and other podcasts. Rediscovering New York with Jeff Goodman. I bring the city's great neighborhoods to life.
6: It's not easy to make it big in New York City. It's even harder to sustain that success for decades. However, two teams have defied those odds due to their formulas for success. Both have all-star rosters performing at the top of their game. Each have an undying commitment to greatness, a willingness to evolve, superior training programs, and ownership that invests heavily in their product. It only seemed natural for the world's most valuable sports brand to partner with Halstead, a market leader in the New York metro area, and now proudly serving as the official luxury Estate firm of the New York Yankees.
0: Stimulating talk gets those
6: synapses in the brain firing really
0: fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. If you want to call into the program, we're toll-free in North America at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Now, back to the show. Okay, everybody. We are back, and we have a Full
1: House Bro Show today, plus (laughs) guests here that are also bros. Um, Very unusual. We miss our ladies, right? Definitely little. Um, just a little.
10: We've got, just just a little. <laughs> We've got Matt here, come on. Yeah, uh-huh. I, I
1: represent. Okay. Anyway. Crazy hammer. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, this is a topic that I don't really like to talk about because I mean it it's 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 our livelihood, but broker fees <laughs> unfortunately are not set in stone so you can negotiate them but it may not be in your best interest to do so okay this according to experts and according to probably all of us typically if there's a seller's broker and a buyer's broker the two will evenly split a s- split rather a 6% commission so my question is you know in this particular marketplace what are the negotiations like in this down market, and how much are our companies willing to accept, or or are they even on the same page? I mean, when I hear a manager these days saying, well, we only take 6% commission, walk away, I'm like, excuse me, that's not happening, okay? (laughs) I don't care what your tradition is, and it ain't happening. (laughs) So, where are we with that?
10: Well, I think one of the interesting things is like if you looked at past markets when the market went down, commissions and fees actually went up. Yeah. And the idea was it was harder to sell a property, and so the compensation was higher. Like For example, if you look at new development, there yeah. are new developments all over the city. They're paying out 4% to buyers' brokers. Yeah. What I'm seeing in the resale market, and you guys can agree or disagree based on your experience, is that fees are actually going down because you had this huge growth in the agent population and all these startups getting into the space trying to buy market share, and now there's a contraction in terms of the number of transactions and the fee sizes out there. So everyone's sort of racing to the bottom. And we're stepping away from a lot of deals because we just don't think it makes sense and we can't make money at these levels. Um, But I think you're seeing a contraction in fees. And I think that a lot of the startups, sadly to say, that are pouring money into the industry are racing us to the bottom and they're cannibalizing the market.
2: Also, there's a new um, Phil's best friend, Street Easy. <laughs> I, I just noticed this the other day. There's um, it Now, actually, if you have an account on Street Easy and if you look at a listing, it'll actually say the buyer's commission in the top corner of the listing. I had never seen that I before know, until you know, the other day.
1: The buyer's broker commission? Really? Yeah. So oh, I,
2: I saw it I when I was looking that. for a client of mine. Um, you know, I. I think uh, I agree with Ari. The issue with the overpopulation of agents in this city will, which will go down, I believe, over the next year or two, as the market either um, you know continues to decrease or, or to stay you know to stay flat, and and agents think it's going to pick back up. Yada yada yada. Um, yeah. You know what a lot of these agents do out there who are not successful and who are not high end, they'll point their clients in the direction of the the apartments that have the highest commission because they get paid the most. Correct. But what they don't understand is that. This is a long-term business, and that's not the way you make relationships. Because you want to have, you want to take your client to whatever apartment works best for them. Very well said. Very well said. Um, And so, what I'm doing a lot these days on pitches is, you know, if they want me to go from six percent to five percent, instead of doing that, I'm saying. I hear you, but is it worth going with another agent who's not as good as me for a point five percent difference? Because I'm bringing it down to five and a half percent, and I'm saying here's the thing: I don't care about the higher percentage on my side. I'm actually only going to take two and a half, which would be the standard five percent co-broke. But what I'm very, you know. What I find important is that the buyer's broker is incentivized. So I'm going to give the 3% to the buyer's broker. So it equals a five and a half. Mm -hmm. And most sellers are going to say, you're right. That completely makes sense. And it's not worth not going with you for a half a percentage,
1: very, very, sure,
2: very well maybe said. Not
8: getting a sale because I have had mm-hmm. brokers call me and say, "Hey, what's the what does the buyer make on this sale?" And I'll say three percent, and they'll say, "Okay, I have an offer for you." And I'm not joking <laughs> that, because they avoid. They'll say, "I don't want to make that two and a half percent. There's too many properties out there at three percent where I can make my." You know, portion. And, you know, if you're going to extend a courtesy discount, fine,
9: let it come from the seller side, but incentivize and you'd show the brokerage community you want to work with them. Just to add to what's said so, when I've been in these negotiations as an agent and some seller or some maybe a buyer is trying to haggle over 1% or 0.5%, you know, if I'm representing a seller, I usually would make the case well, you could save 1% and go with those other agents, or I'm going to get you 5% more in the price because I have, I, I have a record of getting, on average, 5% more. So you just try to put it in like a perspective because it's not just about the commission. The price overwhelms in so many ways. I mean, right now, they're, you're doing deals where you're getting 10% off if you're a buyer, right? In some cases, 10 to 15% off the listing price. 0.5%, 1%, it's nothing if it's you have ridiculous. a good negotiator on your side. Absolutely, and, I think and it's, it's, it's tax deductible.
2: Yeah, it's right. yeah I always bring it up yep. Ta- commissions are tax deductible. I even put it on my commission bill like keep this for your tax records hmm. and if I have a cu- a client who gives me flack about it, like, listen, you've been selling, you've been living here for 35 years, your capital gains, you either pay me or the government, you decide. But I, I recommend me, is better because I'll make you more money yeah, in the wrong Yeah, you're
1: reducing, run. yeah, their basis that, sure. That's yeah. a very good point. I think it's always
10: also really interesting. I like to tell my clients the numerical numbers. So rather when like, we're selling a $1.5 million apartment and they want to argue over 1%, I always tell them, forget about the 1%, it's $15,000. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> if you don't think that I'm going to beat out another agent to negotiate better than $15,000, don't hire me. You shouldn't
2: hire me. And Ari is one of the most financially strategic and analytical brokers I know out there. I will, I will give it to. Him and for one that. of the most successful and, ones. Out and and, there as and well. one of the most successful, completely. On to give a more emotional side of it, because <laughs> I'm, I'm a little bit more of an emotional <laughs> broker. I'm like gonna hold the hand of my seller literally and be like, "This is the commission." No, no, no. But I, I will say that when a lot of younger agents come to me and ask me how to deal with things in the industry, I'll always say, you know, because they get really nervous about not not agreeing to the client's terms mm-hmm. and I'll always say to them don't worry about it stick to your guns I promise you every single time if not now or in six months or a year that client will have more respect for you than you did
10: totally I remember very 100%. early on in my career uh, Brian Lewis who we all know is a phenomenally successful agent always said to his sellers and I always took this to heart if, if you think that you want to hire an agent who's going to reduce their commission, think about having an agent on your side who's going to stand up for his own commission. If I won't stand up for my own commission, am I going to stand up for your price when I'm fighting for your extra $25,000, $50,000? Who do you think is more likely to stand up for your price? The one who stood up for himself or the one who just you know, collapsed and said, great, I'll take 4%, 5 whatever it is that you
1: want. 100%. Yeah. And who do you want on
10: your side advocating on your behalf?
1: Again, very well said. And it's always about how you position yourself with your sellers to have these conversations. Some people won't do that for whatever their reasons are. And some people need to do that for the, the success of not only you getting your commission, but of you selling that apartment with the 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 motivation and the inspiration and the, the, you know, whatever that you need to get that pushed and out there and everybody's seeing it. <clears throat> Matt, you also made very good points as well. Go ahead.
2: It's also in, in oh. a market like we're in where pr- <clears throat> you cannot guarantee price anymore. You have to stick to the, you know, to the basics that you can guarantee and um, recently I had a pitch and it sounds very corny but I can always guarantee that I'm going to work my you know what off for a client. Like that's, that's not, you know, that's not negotiable and that has nothing to do with the market and so, you know, the seller actually thought it was BS. So I, I said to him, "Test it." I, I said, "Here, uh, here's a list of ten of my most recent sellers. I want you to call at least five of them and ask them if if my working hard is BS." And I got the listing. So I think if you can also, you know, attribute your commission to how hard you're working and that it's worth it. You know, for that seller or for that client, um, and really prove it. There's nothing better.
1: All right, listen. So we're a room full of top shelf brokers. All of you are very successful. Last question of the day. We've got about a minute and a half left. How stable is this market? It is the last two weeks of August. We're heading into Labor Day holiday. You know, well, we all know what the summer doldrums. Although some summers are better for others than than not. What is the prediction quickly around the table for the balance of 2019, which is the next quarter? Three more months. Nick? I
7: believe that the Hudson Valley market is going to keep improving because of the interest rate drop and uh, that's it. I think we're going to stay in a strong and improving market.
1: Perfect.
8: Sean, thoughts on Manhattan? Yeah, I mean people still need to move. You know, if you get a job transfer, if you get and there are some people who have to sell and so that there will always be people buying and selling. You don't have to be a part of the wave that looks and gets scared by certain numbers. You know, uh, you can be part of the people who are selling and buying and helping them do that. And I think that the top brokers are
9: still gonna be doing that. Phil Horgan. I think we I think you might see a bounce in the fall possibly, but I do think we're gonna still see a slow price decline.
2: Continue. Matthew. Um it- I agree, Sean. I think that, you know, New York City is always going to be a place where people want to live and people want to stay. So I think that the market here has to, yes, it'll fluctuate here and there, but I think it has to, you know, remain no matter what is going on. Ray? Um, For the Hamptons, it's great. Right now is the start of our season, actually. So now it's going to be the busiest time till probably November. And for the balance of the year, I think it's going to be extremely busy. Right now we're seeing a lot of people coming out, so... Come on out, <laughs> Ari Horkov.
10: You don't want to ask Andrew the, the legal opinion? He's last. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think there's always business to be done, but I think the slide
1: continues. Slide continues. Andrew, last thought.
3: No, I'm certainly optimistic. Um, as an attorney that deals with probably thousands of real estate brokers, right? Um, I think it's critical that you know clients that are in the market that are thinking about the market align themselves with professionals, right? Professionals. That know the business, um, whether it's on the attorney side or the broker side. So, um, the market, though there there's deals to be had, right? And, and if you're um, looking to buy or sell, there there's no reason to uh, step aside right now.
1: All right, that's it for this morning. We're running out. Of, we are out of time. Thank you for joining us. You can follow me on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram at Vince Rocco. Uh, shoot from the moon, everyone. Even if you miss, you'll land among the stars. Be kind to one another. Have a great, safe and fun labor day weekend i can't even believe it's labor day for all of us at voice america all around the world thanks for joining us and we will see you next time goodbye everybody
0: thanks for tuning in this week please join us for another edition of good morning new york real estate with vince rocco next tuesday at 9 a.m eastern time 6 a.m pacific time on the voice america variety channel Here's hoping all of your transactions are successful ones.